Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. And I'm Gojo. Today we're going to talk a little, about, a little bit about what we've been watching. I cannot <laughs> get through one friggin' intro without stumbling, but I'm going to keep going. We're going to talk a little butt. We're going to talk a little butt about what we've been watching, <laughs> and then we're going to move into some film news. Uh, we're going to do a full review of The Incredible Burt Wonderstone, directed by Don Scardino, and then uh, we might get to some food for thought. Brought to us by Willie or Nick or Gojo or somebody. Not it. But anyway, uh, Willie, what have you been watching? Um, <clears throat> I watched uh, a couple of movies on Blu-ray. The uh, Bachelorette is one of the ones I watched because it had a really good cast, starring Kirsten um, Dunst. It's got Kirsten Dunst, uh, Rebel Wilson, Isla Fisher. We're getting past oh, the bad yeah. people right now. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, Isla Fisher. I'll hold her for um, last then. What's her name? Um, Lizzie Kaplan, Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, oh, James oh. Marsden, Adam Scott. Okay. So it's got a pretty good cast. Um, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. It's um, at, at worst, I was expecting a poor man's Bridesmaids, which I didn't like Bridesmaids anyway, so that yeah. really didn't have very high expectations. But I have never seen like a more horribly written group of characters ever in my entire life. Like, you hate all of these women <laughs> by 20 minutes in the movie. They're horrible people. It's I it's it's not good. Don't watch it for God's sake. Um, don't be lured in by the Marsden. Um, that's what got me. Yeah, it's going off of last week's podcast. The Marsden, Just watch Sex Drive the if you're craving some Marsden. Um, and then I watched uh, This Is Forty. Um, lots of comedy. Jed Apatow's latest yeah. film. Jed Apatow's latest movie. Um, I like Apatow. I loved Forty Old Virgin. Knocked Up was great when I watched it a second time. The first time I didn't love it. Funny People is not so good. This Is Forty is I would say. Almost knocked up good. Okay. Not quite. It's kind of a sequel to Knocked Up because it follows some of the side characters. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was good. They they balance the uh, the serious qualities and the uh, the humor well. Like he likes to he likes to inject a lot of a lot of emotional turmoil into his characters mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Like they're very they're serious comedies in yeah. this weird way, with the exception of Forty Year Old Virgin. That's a little bit more. But um. He does a really good job of balancing in this one. Okay. And Funny People, I felt, was just way too in the serious, serious direction yeah. it, for having funny in the title. It starts it out so funny. good, though. Yeah, and it just kind of gets... just. It's way too muddled. long. Yeah, and all of his, this one's not a long one. It's it's over two hours, so okay. I don't think he's ever going to make a movie. He's like the Peter Jackson of comedies. So <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, this is 40s cool. It's... I... I hope that whatever Apatow does next, it's a little more raunchy. He gets back to that a little bit. Yeah. This 40-year-old virgin was so, so funny. Yeah. And I hope he does something along those lines again. Then he can go back to kind of his more, you know, mm-hmm. serious comedies. I, we need to come up with a name for this Judd Apatow subgenre of movies. Apatow. Serial comms? Apatow movies. <laughs> serial comms? Se- se- uh, yeah, I don't know. For serial? <laughs> All right. All right, Nick. Okay. I had a movie marathon when I came home. I kicked things off with a little bit of Green Lantern action. Oh yeah! Finally, have sat your down first, and watched Green your Lantern. Your first, your uh, first, absolutely. The Virgin viewing. Oh man! Uh, it was not awful. It was not terrible, but it was not good. <laughs> it was just spectacularly mediocre the whole time. Yeah. Even the space stuff, which everybody said was amazing, I was like, it's cool, but it wasn't as cool as I was hoping it would be. But I didn't, I didn't hate it. I mean, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, all right. There's a, there's a lot of potential. Like, there's tons of potential for it, and it just never really... 
it never tries for it. It feels like everybody's just kind of like in the passenger seat and nobody's driving. Yeah. Everyone's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Reynolds was, was better than I thought he would be, but he still was not my ideal choice. I still wish that they'd gone with somebody else, but he was all right. Yeah. Um, he relied a lot too much on those Ryan Reynolds y quirks. Quirks, yes. But it was cool. I mean, it was good enough. I liked a lot of the supporting cast. The whole. Watching it in this context, knowing that it was not a huge success and that they might not make a sequel to it and whatever, it made the whole credits scene really funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, what, why? <laughs> but, uh, There's a it glimpse was, of film you'll never see. Yeah. Sarsgaard yeah. hams the heck out of that. He was too. awesome. Yeah. Every time he screamed in pain, I was like, ooh, I'm totally <laughs> buying this right <laughs> he, now. He went nuts, man. Yeah, he went full and yeah, uh He did. It was awesome. Oh, but it was it was pretty good. Um, I liked the weirdo, like really dumb, overly creative uses of his ring. Just like in the comics, she's like, "Why did he make a race car and a track instead of just a big mattress yeah, or something?" Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, it was all right. Uh, then the same day, I watched Moneyball. Later in the day, I watched two movies a day for the last three days. And Moneyball was really good, <laughs> like everybody said it was. Um, I liked it a lot. The ending I thought was really silly, but I guess that's what actually happened. Yeah. But I was like, this makes no sense. Why would this guy not take tons of money and go to an organization that actually believes in his system versus just staying home? I don't know. Yeah. Because it's his team. I think it says a lot. You know, since it is what happened, it does say a lot, I guess, about his his feelings towards that team, towards that organization, which is, it's cool. I, I mean, the loyalty thing is pretty cool, but... It is, but it's weird, because it's, it's the surprising. world of professional sports. Like, people jump around all the time. The whole movie, he's teaching Jonah Hill about, like, yeah. don't take it. It's it's just their job. Just yeah. don't take it. Well, personally. I mean, at the heart of um movie I, I like called Basketball. Oh, yeah. They talk about how sports basically sucks because people can jump around. And that baseball. So it is a really good movie. <laughs> it's a fantastic film, and and you know, it, I think if you grow attached to your team, you know, you're obviously sure. you're gonna stick around. What do you think of Pratt? I gotta ask real quick. Chris, Chris Pratt. That's, that's that was my main impetus behind watching yes. this. Yeah. The linchpin of my Moneyball experience <laughs> was Chris Pratt. Uh, no, he was good. Yeah. I thought he'd have a little more to do based on everybody being like, oh, he's great in Moneyball. And I'm like, oh. He's pretty good, he though. Was I mean, good, he's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's very believable. He was good. The whole supporting cast was good. Jonah Hill, really. Brings it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real good. Um, Pitt, as always, good actor. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. Philip Seymour Hoffman was, was good. It was a good movie. Uh, I liked it. It was interesting, too. Because baseball, I think, is the only real sport where you can kind of try to do that with. Like, if yeah. you don't do that stuff with other sports, it's only baseball. Sa- yeah. Sabermetrics is a very interesting <clears throat> very interesting field of, like, statistical analysis. It was it's, neat. It's, like, the only sport that inspires that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, powering right on ahead. The next morning, I watched Blue Valentine, finally. Another one that had been on my list for a long time. Uh, I liked it a lot. A lot of people seemed like they either fell in between... Loving it or thinking it was the dumbest movie ever. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I didn't think it was dumb. It was just so depressing that I hated it. It is super sad. Yeah. But I, I liked it because it, it just, the whole thing felt very real. And I, there were a lot, of, a lot of bits to it that I really related to. Um, so I, I watched it a good time. You did and drugs? Yes. The salmon of drugs. Um, no, I liked it. I think it was really interesting to watch. Uh, I'm really, I'm looking forward more now to Place Beyond the Pines. As if I wasn't already, but um, we should say both movies starring Ryan Gosling and directed by Derek. I can't say his last name. San um, France or something. Yeah, Derek some. director. Derek director. <laughs> um, Sounds like a speed racer <laughs> character. Yeah. 
coming to the track. Derek, Derek, Derek. Oh, I, I liked it though. I thought it was cool. Uh, and then that, that sounded evening, amazing in my headphones. By yes. the way, yes. <laughs> Derek, director. No. Uh, then later that day, I watched Black Hawk Down for the first time ever. Also, it's amazing. Also very good. Uh, Never seen it. It's really it. cool. All the other war movies of that era, I think, are better. But um, they're different. They're yeah, a lot it's, different. It's a very different movie yeah. considering it only takes place during like a few hours, and it's it's. Um, I think that was weird about. There's a bunch of Brits playing, like really American Americans, and most of them don't pull it off. Like so many of them, like. I know you were a really good actor, but your accent is just shining on through. The only two that I was like, you would think, the only three that I was like, you would think these guys were Americans were Eric Bana, mm. Tom Hardy, and Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs, I swear to God, if you didn't know who he was, you'd be like, oh, that's cool. That guy's <laughs> yeah, real McGregor cool. wasn't convincing, no. if I remember right. He wasn't particularly good. It was weird. Like, he was good enough, but... It was an off day. Orlando Bloom was also pretty bad. His accent was jumping through all over the place. I was just like, I thought it was a weird choice. But it's Ridley Scott, he's English, so he's probably like, eh, hook up my boys. But it was cool, the action was really cool, uh, it was told told interestingly. It reinforced what badass Eric Bana is. And I was like, he needs to be in more movies. We were just talking about this like an hour ago. Like Hulk 2. Yes. I didn't say that. That's the <laughs> sequel to The Other Bowling Girl. Yes. He was <laughs> badass in Troy. He was really Lucky you too. <laughs> uh... Yeah, he's a cool actor. It was a neat movie. I liked it. It looked really neat. Uh, it was interesting. It was cool because it's it's really it's like newer, whereas like the other war movies are all very periody. This is yeah. a little more recent. Yeah. Event, yeah. So it made it a little more engaging. You don't see a lot of those. So uh, this today, this afternoon, I rewatched Drive with Gojo. So okay. I'll probably talk about his first time seeing it. It was a rewatch for me. Look at my list, Willie. Uh, it was awesome. Second time rewatching it, uh, and then the real one I wanted to talk about was I watched Side by Side finally. Ah. Okay. Netflix, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. I do not think it's a documentary that will really catch a lot of ground. I don't think people are just gonna be like, oh, what's this, and then like sit through it because it's very, it's very detailed about the whole process. Yeah. Like yeah. it gets really into it, and I thought that was really cool for me, but. I could see a lot of people browsing through Netflix being like, what's this documentary? Oh, it's not about a guy fishing for giant shit? All right, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> it gets very it's niche. not about finding it's Bigfoot? Very, yeah, it's very niche. But I, uh, I thought it was really cool. It was presented pretty pretty damn impartially. They, yeah. There's never really a side taken, which is yeah. very cool. Um, obviously, everyone they're interviewing takes a pretty firm stance on where they are. There's not, oh, really, yeah. there's not really anybody that's like... And it, it's just they chose really great people to interview because they're... Uh, they all respect the other one for in some mode or another. They all acknowledge why people like the other one. Mm-hmm. But then they usually say, but this is why I like mine. And just when the movie starts to convince you that one's better, they interview somebody else. To the other, yeah. Yeah. It's very, very, very it's well done. Very even-keeled documentary, yeah. which is something you have to respect in For anybody who doesn't know who's listening, uh, Alex has talked about it before, but it's a documentary of comparing uh, photochemical film versus digital movies. Yeah. And, uh, digitally shot film. Digitally shot films. <laughs> it's hard to use the word film, but it was very cool, and it's nice to see those those few. I think the only one who used to be a film guy who has kind of jumped to digital was Scorsese. Like that's he's one of the more interesting ones to hear about because he's such an even tempered guy. He doesn't get riled up about either one. Like James Cameron gets a little hot and bothered at one point. <laughs> uh, 
But even uh, David Lynch was Wally like... Fister gets a little... Yeah, it's true. Lynch Lynch is a good one. David Lynch was like, you know, I think I'm done with film, you know. I love that part, because it's early, early in the movie, and he asks him, are you ever going to... And he's like, well, don't you know, Keanu. Yeah, he's like, don't, don't, don't hold, hold me, me to it, it Keanu. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was neat though. Keanu Reeves was kind of distracting for me because there kept being these really super unnecessary cutaways to him. He was the best part of the film. What are you talking about? <laughs> him reacting. Like, there was a part where I don't remember who it was told like a little joke or they said something funny, and it was the most awkward jump over to Keanu where there's like a pause and he goes, <laughs> and then it cuts back to him, and it's just like, I was like, why? Just let the guy tell the joke and let's keep going. The views of Nick Blavelt do not reflect the views of the Midwest Film Nerds podcast or the Midwest Pod ne- Podcast Network. I'm just saying, it was, weird. it was weird to see the interviewee so much. But yeah, he, did, he did insert a couple of really good questions throughout it where he would be like, but what about this? Like, he, he was good for that. Definitely, yeah. I loved everything David Fincher had to say. It was awesome. David Fincher is a very cool very guy. Blunt, but not in like a, he just like. You know, he, he all his stories about the like working with the red people are are cool. So and it's cool because it segued nicely into them talking about how it was a really refreshing experience to call, be able to get on the phone the guy who invented the damn thing. Yeah. And be like, hey, I'm having this problem. What can you do for yeah. me? Because they were like, and it was one of the old guys, like Michael Ballhaus or something, was like. You can't call the people who made the film camera because it was invented 120 years <laughs> yeah. ago. You can't just call yeah. them and be like, "Hey, what do I do?" <laughs> so yeah. that was interesting. Yeah, but I think it was a it was a really, really, really interesting watch, and I think uh, I mean anybody could take away tons from it. Yeah. Just learning learning about the, the process. If you have any sort of interest in film <clears throat> at all, it, it, it's a good a good movie to watch. So it was cool, and then some of the directors are I mean people people at the top top of the food chain and then people that you haven't really heard of but you've seen their movies like yeah. when it drops a little even like some students that are in film school too he talks to about how like they wouldn't be able to have a project of the scale they're doing without digital film and that was cameras. that was probably the main argument that we've been talking about in school for the last like four or five years since DSLR started to become more and more available and digital media became more and more accessible it was Keanu says he says it to Lorenzo di Bonaventura which mm-hmm. is like why do we give a shit what this guy has to say? But at the same time, his he's been around for a long time and he's made all these amazingly high-grossing movies. But Keanu's like, isn't that, you know, people now can buy digital cameras that can go out and shoot whatever they want whenever they want and now there are more movies in the world to watch. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, right? Like, don't you think that's a good thing? And Bonaventure's like, eh, I don't necessarily think so. He's like, because now the the pool is getting so diluted with just crap. He's like, there's more crappy movies getting made because people who don't know what they're doing are making movies because they can. Well, that's yeah. kind of debatable. I mean, if you look at some of the budget horror flicks of the 50s and 40s and 30s, there is a lot of pure garbage out there. Oh, he's there. absolutely yeah, right, sir. It's exponentially multiplied. Exponentially. Yeah. <clears throat> Go on YouTube or Vimeo and just search short film or student film. It's endless. Pages and pages of crap. Yeah. And there's lots of good stuff, too, but the uh, the ratio, it's just an interesting argument. And Keanu even acknowledges it. He's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other podcast that we could record on talking about, like, how the cream <laughs> rises to the top. And, if, you know, the fact that somebody who has a really brilliant idea can go out and make it and film something and then get it onto YouTube and have a ton of people see it is awesome. Well, this is going to tie in even more with when we talk about the Kickstarter in a little bit, too, because now there's this. Yeah. And how many articles were there online after that happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is going to get Brian Fuller. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll get to that, though. Um, So go, Joe. Let's talk about Drive for a minute. All right. Drive is, uh, it was a good movie. Not really my kind of film. We should um, say directed by um, Nicholas Winding Refn. Some guy with three Refn names. Okay. And starring <laughs> He's Ryan Gosling. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. It was uh, production-wise, I was. It was very impressive. A lot of great cinematography. Um, a lot of great editing. Um, and then. I'd say the performances were all all good, but the the writing or lack thereof <laughs> uh, was, you know, for somebody who's used to fairly dialogue heavy movies, it was yeah. a little weird for me because there were there was a lot of just intense staring at each other. <laughs> That's true, um, and it's like you knew what you knew what they were trying to get. Across. I mean, they got the point across with. I mean, they got across what they wanted to get across with all the staring, but still, it's like. Okay. Yeah. All right. And he's looking at her, and she's looking at him. <laughs> and Not since Twilight. Has they're digging so much it. Staring. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is what Twilight was going for. With this all was the staring. good staring. Yeah. It was <laughs> meaningful if, staring. It. Yes. If there's this a quality, too, this is two good actors staring yes, at each other. There is a quality <laughs> level of staring. This is at the top end, and this the, and then Twilight's at the bottom end. Sure. I also. Um, <laughs> Going back to old movies that we watch, relatively old. Uh, I watched Thor with my mother. Um, for she, it was the first time she saw it. I've seen it a few times, and the get, only we should get Beth over here to record. Yes, this. yes, we'll get Beth going up over here. Beth Gojo over here to do it. The only new thing I gathered from it this time is what happened to the Destroyer at the end of that movie. He. Never got back. Well, he was lying in a heap well, in New Mexico. If you read the comic book interquill between the movies and Avengers, mm -hmm. Shield got a hold of it and makes the gun that I mean, Coulson I, uses. I figured yeah. that, but do they still have him? Well, Did Coulson, he? Was he like the only reference to him? Coulson says something like, "We we built this after you sent the destroyer," yeah. which isn't I, much I never of knew a that. you know what I mean. Much of a wrap up. But. Yeah, but it's like. Uh, it does yeah. just kind of disappear. Yeah. yeah, this is kind of a big deal. Yeah, but no, I, I mean, I, I yeah. just get the intention that Thor just completely destroys it, and then Shield has the pieces. But you know, who the heck knows? Yeah, we'll never know. It's still alive. Will we? He's Maybe gonna get his own too. buddy film with Vision Coulson. Vision <laughs> Coulson. <laughs> All right, um, we're running a little long in the what cool we've been visions. watching, uh, so. Uh, My bad. I, that's all right. Yes. I really I'm, wanted to talk about side by side, though. I was excited. <laughs> I'm glad people are watching it. If I've gotten three people to watch it, I texted total. like three people today, and they were all like, "Oh, I'm gonna watch it." Actually, my cousin watched it when we <laughs> when I first talked about it. So I, you know, maybe four people have watched it because of me. But anyway, uh, I'm eight episodes deep in Game of Thrones season two. Nice. Uh, it's not as riveting as season one, but it's still very, very good. Uh, I'm excited to see where it ends up, and, and I'm excited for the new season, which just had a trailer that has the Tron Legacy soundtrack in it, which is amazing oh, really? and weird at the same time. It's weird. So, um, but yeah, Game of Thrones, check when it out. When does that premiere? The 31st? Yes, uh, March 31st is the beginning of season three, so cool. Uh, check it out on HBO, HBO Go, or get the DVDs or something. Um, so we'll move into some film news here. I think I have it written down in a weird order, so I'm going to try and I'm going to move it around a little bit. I'm going to, you know. Go nuts, man. Go nuts. Uh, Transformers 4 is filming in Detroit this spring. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> this is mostly on here because, um... We're the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast, and we should probably talk about the fact that Transformers is coming to Detroit. 
It seems like it's like a primary filming location. Yeah, I, they typically don't make major announcements about filming locations if they're not going to be heavily featured. Yeah. And I, I mean, Transformers 1 and 2 were, were, parts were filmed in Detroit, but not for the most part. No, the like they use like Michigan Central Station and like there's yeah. a point where Megatron just completely smashes through. Yeah. Yes. Michigan and the Central second Station. one I think they filmed a bit more than the first one. Okay. So maybe he just he likes it so much that he wants to... Yeah. But, um, no, it's good. I'm glad. Yeah. It's cool, I, you know? It, hopefully, the... It's not going <coughs> to happen, but hope, bless you. Hopefully, this ignites some sort of... The film incentives back up Maybe. again. That's why it's cool that they're still coming, because the incentive is... Way, at all way lower than it, than what it was at the time. Well, hopefully, like you said, this... I doubt it, but maybe it'll kind of kickstart things yeah. a little bit. Speaking of Kickstart, no, I don't want to go into that story yet. That would have been so good. (laughs) Wow. Now we just have to use Kickstart in the next two stories. I'll make sure Um, it happens. (laughs) So in the news of That Sucks, Dave Bautista has been cast as Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy, despite me tooting my own horn about the Jason Momoa news a few weeks ago. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Dave Bautista being a former WWE wrestler, yeah, yeah. and uh, superstar, then had a foray into mixed martial arts. A very brief foray into mixed One martial fight. arts, yeah. Uh, and yeah. he survived apparently. Dave Bautista <laughs> is. What's weird about this for me is, I I kind of stopped watching professional wrestling shortly after he showed up, so I don't have much memory of Dave Bautista as a wrestler. Yeah. Um, but from what I understand from the people I know that watch wrestling, he was never all that great on the mic. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I, I'm a little concerned about it if he can't sell himself on a microphone as a wrestler. You know what I'm saying? That. Yeah. And, and I, I've seen I I've seen clips from his movies. I've never seen him star in a movie, so I can't say a hundred percent. But I haven't been terribly impressed with what I've seen. I mean, he's been in so. The Man with the Iron Fists and Scorpion King 3. Yeah, um, House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. Not, S- wrong not turn much, at, in the end of the town or something. A bunch of direct-to-video, you know, with Jaw Rule and stuff like that. <laughs> so, it's not a joke. They're really in a movie together. Um, <clears throat> but um, What movie? I the Wrong Side this. of Town. I want to see it right now? Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, he's got Riddick coming out, too. Okay. He's one of the lead, the lead characters in Riddick, so... Yeah, I, it's mostly just um, us being depressed about the fact that Momoa won't be showing up. Well, I, I, I've mentioned this to to Willie a few times. That it's, it's since I don't think any of us really know much about Batista and his skills. It's not so much the the casting of him in particular. It's the um, it's the fact that we're casting basically just a professional wrestler who probably doesn't really have any acting chops so it doesn't seem like they're going to take the character in a very yeah. serious direction yeah he's i'm worried about a lot of grunting yeah basically. it's going to he's basically just going to be um point me at the next thing to kill yeah the muscle um, and yeah. which is i mean could, I, it is it fits drax but drax it, has a lot more potential it fits, it fits like the old drax who yeah. is basically a a dumber hulk yeah. um but new drax is He's he's a fairly intelligent. He's cagey. He's he's which got, is the series yeah. they're drawing from for this movie. Yeah, the series where Drax is is uh, he can t- speak. Yeah, exactly. Um, elegantly, and yeah, he's not just a dumb brute. I'm not going to write it off completely because no, to be no, fair, Marvel Studios has been really really 
solid with their casting in all of these movies up to this point. I don't think I have any major person where I was like, that was horrible. You know, even Mickey Rourke in Iron Man 2, like, he was fine for the part. He just didn't yeah. have anything to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rule him out, and maybe they must have they must have seen something in him that they liked. So, you know, we'll see. Once once footage comes out of Batista acting, then we'll know. <laughs> Whenever that happens, <laughs> acting in general. Right. If the acting happens, yeah. I just wish we could go up and just simultaneously flick Jason Momoa and Marvel in the eyeball and be like, "What is wrong with you two? Well, don't worry. <laughs> just because make peace. if we learn anything from the Iron Man franchise, it's that maybe uh, Bautista will want too much money in the sequel, and they'll have to recast Drax. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I'm not saying that Jason Momoa is like an incredible, amazing actor, but. He, he is an actor. Very rarely before have I ever... Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, we, he is. we can all agree it's on that. Point. Yeah. And um, very rarely is, does the the casting pick for a role fit that perfectly. Yeah. So it's a shame that it didn't, it didn't happen. pan out. So. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see. We shall see. It's going to be a very diverse cast, I'm telling you of that already, because we've got Chris Pratt and Dave Bautista. Honestly, though, the cast is starting to reflect the characters, where it's just this weird mashup of people that should never have been together. Yeah. Sounds a lot like The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Who knows? It might be genius. Are we segueing into that? No. Are we kickstarting a conversation on Spider-Man 2? No. We won't kickstart that one? (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) If I can kickstart off of your kickstart, Alex. We would be kickstarting all over the place. It's true. True. Um... All right, so next on the docket, Colin Trevorrow, director of Safety Not Guaranteed, will be directing Jurassic Park 4. Ooh. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> I just rewatched uh Hi. Jurassic Park 1 through 3. Good. Actually, what, what did you not think? that long ago. Um, I hadn't watched any of them in a long time. Um, Jurassic Park 1 is still amazing. Mm-hmm. Although classic. I will stick by the fact that the book, if you if you ever get a chance to read it, for God's sake, read it because it's even better because who is the coolest character in Jurassic Park Uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm T-Rex Muldoon okay yeah Robert Muldoon and ably portrayed by Bob he is much more of a central character in that book which makes it even better yeah um but no I read and then two two sucks I'm sorry it's it's not it's not please 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 wait oh I need to go bum Best piece of acting in any. Is that the ten minutes of Goldblum sounds? No, that, that's just my text noise. I think you need to link that to the to the. Oh, I'll put yeah, it in there. Okay. We should, we should put right. a clip of that. But um, Jurassic Park Two is, is is really not very good. It, Pete Possibly though, and he's a beast in this. Yeah, but he's the thing is everything everything that succeeds in Jurassic Park Two is just kind of a carbon copy of stuff from Jurassic Park One. The set pieces I don't think are as good. The like, like Pete Possilway, I love Pete Possilway, but he's kind of a Muldoon. I mean, he really it's is. True. So it's, and then, don't get me started on the T-Rex in the city. <laughs> it's so silly. I was just about to say. It's so silly. But the thing is, Jurassic Park 2 actually was made, uh, basically Jurassic Park 1, the movie was such a huge success that they had to make a sequel. So they went to Michael Crichton and said, please write a sequel book, because we're not making this movie without you writing the book. <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not writing this. And then Spielberg himself went to Crichton and said, please, please do this. And Crichton finally... So he just wrote the book to, to appease people. So is the book oh. pretty similar to the movie? No. They're incredibly different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is hilarious. Um, which is what's really funny about it. But the, what's funny is the, the Lost World, the book, actually isn't terribly great either. Okay. So, I mean, it doesn't have a T-Rex in the city, which is good. But 
you know, it's not that great either. And you can tell that he kind of just wrote it because he was pressured. So okay, we've gotten a little bit away from yeah. the story. <clears throat> okay, uh, safety not guaranteed. Pretty, pretty awesome indie flick that came out last year, um, starring Mark Duplass and Aubrey Plaza. Um, basically. It, You've probably seen a picture of like the the classified ad that it was based on, which is basically this dude who wrote a classified that was like, uh, "I'm going to time travel. I need somebody to come with me. They need combat experience. Safety not guaranteed. Bring your own and, weapons. Yeah, bring your own weapons. I've only done this once before. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it, the the film kind of takes that and like puts it in you know like what if somebody pursued this classified, um, but not. I wouldn't have seen it and been like, you know what, this guy would make a really good Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> Not that he won't. <laughs> Not that he someone, won't. Is there someone you have thought that for? No. But, <laughs> um, this guy would make a great movie about dinosaurs. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just don't see him being like the big budget guy. No. I mean, that's the thing about Safety Not Guaranteed, is that it has like a little twinge of like sci-fi at parts, but... It's not, like, not, that's even a stretch to say that, but. I would have picked him to do more like a, like a portal or something like that, you know what I mean? Something more, less giant reptilian. More less giant reptilian, yeah. yes. Um, just more, just something smaller, more scale, A scaled yeah. back, like, yeah. something, something, that if, something like a Duncan Jones type. If it is, yeah, if it is going to have effects or sci-fi to it, something, yeah. Because the ending kind of, I don't know, never mind. Yeah, I don't have a train. Yeah, I. You know, it's it's just one of those things where it's like we're getting a new Jurassic Park, and this is the person directing it. I'm excited to see what he'll do on like a large scale because let me see if he's done anything. Was there a script in place, or did he just come up to, to them with just a badass treatment and was like, "This is the Jurassic Park movie I would make"? Because they didn't announce him at the time that they announced the film, I'm doubting that he's the one that spurred the. Like they've been, they've wanted to make a Jurassic Park four for quite a while. <clears throat> Vince Vaughn was going to be the lead at one point. Um, other than coming back, other than Safety Not Guaranteed, he's directed like a short and a TV movie and a documentary, but you know nothing, nothing else that would make me think nothing that screams dinosaurs. <laughs> so maybe maybe he did come up with like an awesome treatment. I I don't think it was written when they announced that they were doing a movie. Hmm. But. I mean, if Spiel, I'm assuming Spielberg's EPing this one, so yeah, you must yeah. have seen something in him. What if Jurassic Park Four is actually a sequel to Safety Not Guaranteed? Mm. Well, well, what if Mark Duplass pops up in Jurassic Park <gasps> as young Doctor Alan Grant? <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, he gets an adamantium bullet no. and forgets that he already saw dinosaurs. <laughs> Little Wolverine humor for you there, guys. You had Safety to go Night there. Guaranteed didn't you? is a weird movie, though. Keep stalling. It's strange, but it, it, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun I liked it enough. I just thought the ending was really weird. I was like, hmm, interesting choice to take. And then the movie ends, you're like, oh. I personally liked all of uh, Mark Duplass's outfits in the movie, though. I'm just Jurassic. Everything about Mark Duplass done to his solid snake mullet and bandana yeah, combo perfect. is, um, dude, yeah. Yeah, he looks what? like solid snake. It's great. I love, the thing I loved about Safety Night Guaranteed was the subplot with his buddy, or not his buddy, Aubrey Plaza's boss or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Reconnecting with that, that woman the from woman. the old flame. That yeah. was really cool. Yeah. I was That's like, this is a very nice plot point. And then they just drop it. Um, He's like, I'm out. And you're like, what? what? That's it? So yeah. we disappointed. The All we know right now, script-wise, is that it's based on a screenplay by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver of Rise of the Planet of the Apes fame. Good news. So that's, hey, 
you know what? They did a good job, you know, doing a prequel for Planet of the Apes. I think, you know, if anybody's going to do a Jurassic Park script, then I'm down with them being the ones to do it. They can reinvigorate a franchise after Tim Burton did what he did. (laughs) Then they can reinvigorate one after what Joe Johnston did what he did. So we're good. (laughs) We're we're in safe hands. All right. I think that's enough about Jurassic Park and Safety Not Guaranteed for now. Um, So let's kickstart this conversation. So a Veronica Mars film... For those of you that don't know, there's a website called Kickstarter where you can say, I want a million dollars, or, well, okay, let's scale it back. I want a hundred thousand dollars to make this thing or do this thing, and I will give you a reward for one dollar, ten dollar, fifty dollar, like, make incremental rewards for donating money to this cause. Mm -hmm. Um, The benefits of some you may see on this podcast at some point, or may attract you to this podcast at some point. But um, Veronica Mars, the creator of Veronica Mars, Rob Thomas, and... The singer? Kristen Bell, yes, Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20, and Veronica Mars fame. Okay. Unfortunately, no, but... um, He came forward and was like, I talked to Universal, I think it's Universal, isn't it? Whatever studio it is. Yeah, the, the studio that owns the Veronica Mars name, and they were like, we don't know if a Veronica Mars movie is very, uh... That that's a very viable thing for us to do. So how about you go to Kickstarter and you ask for two two million dollars, and we will take that as a sign of faith if you can make that money that this is a movie that should be made. Um. So that happened. They made the Kickstarter. They got two million dollars in less than a day, which is like the biggest Kickstarter that has ever happened. I mean. Maybe, that might not be true because I don't remember what the o- what, what the what the Ouya console got. It got it made a million dollars, but I don't know how quickly it did it. But either way, right now the Veronica Mars Kickstarter stands at three million seven hundred thousand thirty thousand whatever three point seven million dollars and counting with twenty three days to go for people to be able to donate to it. And if you donate, you get things like um, Kristen Bell will record your outgoing mailbox or. Uh, voicemail uh, message and, and stuff like that uh, and like t-shirts and st- uh, copies of the DVD and you know all the way up to being able to be flown out for the premiere of the movie yes or them coming to you and hosting a, a pre-screen or you know close to pre-screen event so this happened to spur a bunch of other conversations of course somebody immediately went to Joss Whedon and was like do this with Firefly and he was like it doesn't really work that way and then um, Brian Fuller of Pushing Daisies fame I think he really wants to do this he hasn't done it yet but he wants to resurrect Pushing Daisies or Wonderfalls and then two shows that got cancelled but have a huge cult following and then um, I forget the man's name, but the guy that created Terriers for, I think, FX. Uh, Terriers ran for one season and had some of the like highest praise that I've ever heard on a TV show. And then it got cancelled. And he wants to do something like this, and I think he's recently come out and said that he's, he's not going to do the Kickstarter for it. But hmm. um, So this kind of raises a big question of, like, what does this mean for movies in the future? Would someone buy me lunch on Kickstarter? 
<laughs> hey, uh, you know, theoretically just, speaking, theoretically, I mean, there's, there's probably sillier things on Kickstarter. I mean, yeah. I d- it, it hasn't come to that point yet, but I saw a side. No, I mean, never mind. I'm not oh, going to talk from, about from it. A, from a movie, from the from the movie and TV standpoint, though, I've heard a lot of arguments about. Well, then you know, the studios are just going to be like, well, if, <coughs> if the fans want to fund stuff, let's just let them fund it, and they yeah. don't. You know, we don't want to spend any money. I don't think it's going to get to that extreme. I think that's people freaking out too early and re- well, you know a, what I mean. It's a very similar story to what's happening with video games because a lot of people are expecting the first big like video game to come forward and be like EA to be like, "Hey, we need the money to make this game." And it's like, "Hey EA, no you don't need any money from anybody <laughs> anymore, but you still keep taking it and giving us crap like SimCity." Yeah. Or not giving us crap like SimCity. Well, giving us crap like SimCity and then yanking it away like a child. But <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I I mean, I, I can understand why people are a little bit nervous about it or worried about it, but I think it's exciting, too. Well, like, the really interesting thing is, if every single fan of Veronica Mars, if these 57,000 backers that have donated something to Veronica Mars are the people that were going to go see this movie in theaters, it's not going to make any money back. <laughs> So are they making this movie for two, three point seven million dollars? No, there's no way that like, how can that be possible? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Is like, what is the studio's actual thing? Like, what is this money actually going to go to? Didn't you say it was basically like a gauge of interest, kind of? Yeah. Universal says, okay, raise blah blah blah, and we'll see if there's actually a market for this. Yes, but the thing is. That's not a big market. <laughs> it's not a big market, and on top of that, if you just paid the $25 or whatever to get a DVD, are you going to go and see in, the- in theaters again, and are you going to drag 30 friends with you to pay for the $15 million budget that they're probably going to have to give this movie to be any sort of quality? It's true. It's, uh, I, well, I, I think, depend. I mean, I don't know if we'll have to wait to see how this goes, but it's, um, it's definitely... A, it's definitely going to get Kickstarter a lot more publicity, which is only going to mean more people are going to try this well, yeah, for yeah. everything. And um, that means we're probably going to, as it usually means, we're probably going to get a lot more crap out of it. Um, the more the more I, traffic something has, I the mean, more yeah, garbage it's, it gets. It's, it's an interesting... I think it's this project sets a bad precedent because I don't want these studios gauging interest, quote-unquote, to get a little more money to throw at a project because... We don't really know if that translates into this will make the movie a success. Well, or and, and then what if what happens if they get so much money for it, but then as they're going through the process, they figure out, wow, this is really going to tank. We just need to pull the plug on it. They can't legally, yeah. can they? Well, I mean, that's the whole rule with Kickstarter is that if you donate this money to it and you don't get your reward back, you can get your money back. Okay. But so even if the movie gets plugged, as long as you got your DVD, then they filled their part of the bargain? Yes. Okay. The DVD could have 45 minutes of a Veronica Mars film on it, maybe, <laughs> but I think it could be argued in court that they didn't deliver, and, and you know Kickstarter would have to be like, we can't let this kind of thing happen. I'm a little surprised it's Veronica Mars, too. I, I didn't realize this had this big of a following. I, I know that there are a ton of people that like it. But, you know, and Joss Whedon's a huge fan, and he's even on the show as an actor a few <laughs> times, but it's, it's got a loyal following. Nick, what do you think? Another point uh, I read somewhere is that there are pretty large fees associated with Kickstarter for putting a project up there. They take a pretty hefty cut of whatever money you raise. Yeah. So this $3.7 million, I think, is... They're getting maybe $3 million of it. 
I think it's even less. I no, think someone said forty percent goes to Kickstarter. No, it's not that much. No, that would be it's it's closer robbery. to thirty, maybe maybe twenty five. I think that's still which a is lot. still yeah, it's it's a but, big yeah. chunk, but interesting. A big chunk of three point seven million dollars still can leave you. I mean, they gotta get paid somehow. I can't blame them for that. Yeah, and you know, it's that's like you said, it's 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 a drop, it's a drop in the bucket, more or less, for, for an actual film budget. Movie, yeah, that's so, why it's interesting. The whole point is, it's like it's amazing, but it's the whole thing's kind of moot anyway. Like, I I really will be curious to see what they do now. I mean, we've seen the things that we've <laughs> seen from this kick from Kickstarter. Let, let me just go back and say, indie game the movie started not started, but they had a lot of footage. And they were like, we need to finish this movie, give us this money, and we will give you DVDs or credits in the movie or T-shirts or posters that are signed, like, things like that. I think that's what this is cooler for, is for independent filmmakers to say, look, we're setting out to make this movie, you know, get a free signed copy of the script if you donate 10 bucks, get this. That's where it's cool, because it might give people, like, like Gojo said, I mean, there'll probably be a lot of crap too, but I think... Hopefully these people will be discerning enough to know what looks like a joke and what... You know well, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But you could potentially shoot a little bit of test footage and say, here's what we're trying to aim at for this movie, we just need the money to make the movie. Yeah. And if people like it and respond to it, then there you go. It could be cool. I, it's, it's just a very... To have a big studio come in and say, here's a Kickstarter for this, like, we still don't know what it means, and it's kind it's, of troubling... It's yeah, it's kind of shady. Yeah, K- kicking off something that's gonna be—it's gonna be a much bigger budget than anything you can actually raise um, from Kickstarter. It's—it's, it's, uh, it, mm, yeah, I don't know, because um, it's basically, well, I mean, you're basically kickstarting. There you go, Kickstarter. Um, this movie here, and. It, I mean, it could just be, like with this, it could just be something you're throwing out to a very limited audience. Um, and if, if yeah, if studios decide, hey, well, Veronica Mars got a lot of publicity for doing this, um, we're just, they're probably just going to try to shovel more projects of the similar sort uh, out. And this could lead to a big disaster. Yeah, I, it, it will... I think it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on because as we get more information about it, it's just going to become a more interesting discussion to see what they actually do. Because, you know... It's scary, too, because it might turn into a giant new fad for publicity now. Studios might be like, let's and, see if well, we can beat that. That's the thing, is that like the, the biggest thing they've gotten out of all this is publicity. And they've also gotten $3 million. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> I guess it's the second biggest thing they've gotten out of it. But you, this $3 million is not only your budget, but it's also your box office from some of those people because who like we don't even know if this movie's coming to theaters, but that's their intention. I mean, I don't think yeah. it was ever implied that this was supposed to be the budget of the movie. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that that you know, people have been like, you know, I mean, it's called You can't make a movie for $3 million. <laughs> no, you can't. But the idea is if they put much more money into this and they're only going to get $3 million if everybody who's already going to see the movie from the DVD they're going to get actually goes and see it in the box office, like... I mean, there's well, only 57,000 people that have contributed, though. I guarantee the number of actual fans is quite larger than that. And those are those are the only people that actually a found this or b heard about it and actually pulled out their wallet and said I'm going to give five bucks. I, I think the usual uh, the usual estimate for something like this is like ten percent of actual fans will throw money at something like that. 
I, um, we'll so see. let's say maybe like I'd say safe to bet that fifty-seven thousand is about ten twenty percent of anyone who would actually have an interest in a project like this. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. It's we'll just see more. It's too early to call. I mean, it's yeah. still twenty-three days left too. Okay. Yeah. Was so it, was it thirty days from the start? Yep. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting to talk about. We haven't yet had a high-profile Kickstarter totally screw up yet. So and not that the Veronica Mars movie is going to be the one that does it. But we just haven't seen the repercussions of a Kickstarter completely failing, failing after yep. being funded. So That'd be really interesting to watch. We will we'll certainly be talking more about the Veronica Mars movie. Speaking kickstart forward. the documentary about how Veronica Mars failed. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of something totally falling apart after it's been funded, did you have you been reading about Jane's Got a Gun? No, I saw movie? a little bit about it, but. It's so hilarious. I, I know that there were like four stars attached to it, and then two of them have left since. Oh, it's better than that. Uh, there was this, really quickly, there was this smaller uh, Western movie being made called Jane's Got a Gun, produced by Natalie Portman, who was starring in it, and it was being directed by Lynn Ramsey, who is this female, uh, fairly prolific in the indie circle uh, director. One of her movies I actually did uh, report on without even, I mean, I knew it was her, but the name didn't ring a bell until I thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, she directed that movie. Um, anyway, uh, this movie was, a lot of people, I guess, were watching it because of Natalie Portman and Lynn Ramsey, and then it was originally going to star Michael Fassbender and Joel Edgerton, okay. and then Fassbender dropped out, like, a week and a half ago. It was supposed to start shooting, like, two days ago. Fassbender drops out because of conflicts with First Class. Okay. Uh, so they're like, oh, shit. So Joel Edgerton's like, I got this. He jumps in to Fassbender's part from yeah. his other part. Then Jude Law steps in because he's like, I would love to work with Lynn Ramsey. That's awesome. I'm excited. I will take that part now. So like, okay, everything's cool. We're still on track. Uh, the first day of production starts. Everybody's there. Everybody's on set. Everybody's ready. Lynn Ramsey does not show up. The director. <laughs> what? This is two oh, days God. ago, I think. She just doesn't show up. And we don't know why still. We don't know if she was fired or if she was just like quit or if she... But I guess she's got kicked out of the movie basically or quit. We don't know. Gavin O'Connor of Warrior fame Stepping steps in. in to direct it. They yeah. hire him. And then Jude Law today, this Less. morning, bounced because he wanted to work with Lynn Ramsey. So now there's a vacant starring spot. They're two <laughs> days into production, I think. Oh, my God. Uh, and no one knows what the hell's going to happen. Oh, that's a hot wow. And it's funny because I think part of the reason Natalie Portman was so into it was because of Lynn Ramsey. Yeah. So wow. someone was like, well, they should have gotten Patty Jenkins because she and Natalie are supposed to be tight. Mm -hmm. But now Gavin O'Connor steps in and everyone was like, oh, that's a good sign. Like, Joel Edgerton probably hooked him up. But now <laughs> Jude Law bounced too, so they have no, they have no villain. <laughs> what a mess. And the movie's officially in production. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> what a mess. Wow. This stuff happens a lot, though, so who knows? I mean, to be honest, you just don't hear about it as much. You know what I mean? I don't know, man. A director just not showing up on the first day of shooting. <laughs> Directors yeah. is pretty Like, extreme. they were there. Like, everyone was ready to Actors work. dropping out happens quite a bit. And I though. think the producer was like, hey, Lynn, it's. Uh, it's 10 o'clock, and we're all here. Lights are all struck. Uh, everybody's just waiting, so call me back. It's weird. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that one, too, because it should be entertaining <laughs> at the very least. But uh, we'll move into our full review of... Uh, we don't have to talk about it. Burt Wonderstone. I was going to say something about it, man since we all watched it. But. Uh, we can talk about it. I think... The rumor is, uh, apparently the Ant-Man uh, teaser footage from Comic-Con has leaked, but I think we're going to have a high-quality version when the box set comes out. Mm. And we'll be filming an unboxing video, by the way. Yes. Oh, fun. Now that you know. But anyway, so keep an eye on our YouTube channel, which doesn't exist yet for that. Uh, but anyway, the Burt the, <laughs> the Wonderstone Incredible. 
The incredible Burt Wonderstone. <laughs> Sounds like a band. Yeah. <laughs> Lounge band band, band. 70s band. Throw it in. Um, as I said earlier, directed by Don Scardino, who I think has directed a lot of 30 Rock. He's a TV um, director. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a pretty big uh, TV director. Um, written by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, uh, most recently, I think, of Horrible Bosses fame. And um, starring Steve Carell, Steve Buscemi, uh, Jim Carrey, and Olivia Wilde in the main roles, and Alan Arkin, of course. Featuring Alan Arkin, really. Um, the synopsis. Uh, when a street magician stunts begin to make their show look stale. Superstar magicians Burt Wonderstone and Anton Marvelton look to salvage on their act and their friendship by staging their own daring stunt. So, I don't know how accurate that is, but we can, we can, we can get into that in a minute. Um, so, Burt Wonderstone. Willie. Thoughts on Burt Wonderstone? <clears throat> um, I mean, I, I really liked it. Um, I, the trailers, I wasn't sure what to expect from it. I thought I'd probably get a chuckle or two. Yeah. Um, Jim Carrey hasn't exactly been on his A-game lately. Um, and not even that he's not on his A-game. He hasn't done much lately, it feels like. Mm -hmm. um, Steve Carell has had some pretty solid movies come out, but they're mostly dramedies. Yeah. Um, he's really into that. Um, so I was... I was unsure of, of how the two were going to pull this magician comedy off, and they did a good job. I What's really nice about it is that in a lot of comedies nowadays, there are two things. A, they're overly raunchy, which can be very funny if done right. Yeah. Absolutely. I love a raunchy comedy, but this did not rely on that at all. No. There were a couple of silly, you know, poop, fart, penis jokes, but nothing major. You know, it wasn't didn't rely on that. Yeah. And secondly, I think... In most comedies now, it's like, no, the comedic actors in the movies, you could interchange them with any other comedic actor of the time, and it doesn't really make a difference, in my opinion. Like, most Jason Bateman vehicles, you could throw Jason Sudeikis in there and be like, okay, whatever, yeah. you know. Most, uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds comedies, you could throw Dane Cook in there and be like, okay, whatever. Uh. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, but there, it, there's no... I don't think that Dane they... Cook's Green Lantern. Yes, <laughs> I want Dane Cook as Deadpool, but that's another, another for another the day. The time has passed. Um, I just I don't uh, I don't think that with with comedies now I don't feel like you get that sense of this is a this is a Jim Carrey comedy or this yeah. is a, you know what I mean. And this one really felt like every single comedic actor was cast in that role and they fit that role perfectly. They brought their own thing. To yeah, it. and I wouldn't want to see any other comedic actor in that role. I wouldn't want to. Uh, and that goes for Carell's character and, and, and um, Jim, Jim Carrey's Carey. in particular. Um, everybody's great. Uh, Olivia Wilde is... Uh, I don't... There are no words. This is, this is a PG podcast, so we won't talk about that. Um, With an explicit take. Yeah, yeah, put an explicit take. <laughs> for street yeah, cred. Let's not get into that. But um, Alan Arkin is awesome. Amazing. Um, that man can do no wrong, nope. it seems. Um, Steve Carell is very funny. Uh and and Steve Buscemi's very funny as well. Mm -hmm. They they have some really good and chemistry playing, together yeah. with yeah. And um, but Jim Carrey steals the show, in my opinion. <laughs> Anytime Jim Carrey is on screen, something hilarious is going on. Yeah. Like I all of almost I'm I'm pretty sure every moment he had in this movie I thought was funny. I think it feels a lot. It, it does feel a lot more like an old school Jim Carrey movie than what we've gotten from him recently. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, every every time that he's on screen, it's it's. 
it's pretty funny. He's what, hilarious. What ensues? It's just absolutely like they nail they nail the David Blaine character and the the Chris Angel. Yeah, thing. like David Blaine, Chris <laughs> Angel. They nail those two to mm-hmm. the wall with 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 Jim Carrey's performance, and it's it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, he's but, really really good. It's cool to see him playing kind of a bad guy. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've ever seen him play a villain before. Well, K- I, this is similar to Cable Guy a little bit for me oh, because yeah, that's what I was Cable Guy, he kind of you know yeah he, he kind of yeah. He was he was, that was he was the villain of Cable Guy. That's yeah. safe to say. Yeah. The antagonist at the very yeah. least. Yeah. So he, he kinda went to that place, you know, he wasn't doing number twenty three bad guy, which yeah. is just weird. We don't ever want to see that again. <laughs> um, thanks a lot, Schumacher, <laughs> for ruining two Jim Carrey performances. Um, no, uh, I I really liked it. I was it was a breath of fresh air, for sure, comedy wise. Yeah. So Alright. Nick, what do you think about Burt Wonderstone? How, um, how incredible is Burt Wonderstone? I don't know. <laughs> how do you gauge it with the word? Inc- which, which degree of incredible is it? Of lack of credibility. <laughs> uh, I, I liked it. It was it was better than I think a lot of people were thinking it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, going by the by the time I was walking to the theater, I was thinking to myself, this is probably going to be pretty funny. I think yeah. I'm going to have a good time watching this movie. And I was right. I mean... A lot of the good jokes were in the trailer, like I was kind of yeah. worried about. But yeah. there were lots of little things throughout, peppered throughout the movie that were very funny. Like uh, Carell, the picture, the photo he gives Britta at the end of the night was really funny. Yeah, Gillian uh, Anderson. The one like sight gag that had me absolutely laughing even after the movie was <laughs> the back of Jim Carrey's van. <laughs> yeah, it just has his, <laughs> his face giant face with the eyes like crossed, like Ooh. yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, everything about his character was was really really funny. Yeah. Down to him floating backwards out of the room. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. It was awesome to see him doing like something very, very, very physical again. Uh, yeah. Makes me excited for Kick-Ass 2 a little more, because hopefully this will be a bit of a renaissance for Jim Carrey. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Willie, like I think you said, the, the cast was all, was all really good. Olivia I think Wilde was pretty believable as a... I mean, the part where she was like, oh, I was an ugly kid who got made fun of. I was like... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that, that kind of thing they tend okay. to throw in. I don't know, sometimes the ugly ones are... They turn into beautiful swans. Olivia Wilde's? Yeah. It could happen. It happens. Look up some childhood pictures right yeah, now. We'll, we'll, we need we'll, to confirm this. Maybe uh, maybe during the break. Buscemi was really, really funny, though. I was, I was really impressed with him. It's, it was, it's interesting to see Steve Buscemi in a role like this after, like, he's been doing Boardwalk Empire. And, yeah, like, yeah. Things like That's that. why it's so cool. I, yeah. the feeling, I honestly got the feeling, like, just... I, I, don't, I don't watch Boardwalk. I, I intend to. But I got the feeling just from watching him that he was, like, having a lot of fun doing something more goofy. goofy. Yeah. You yeah know, it reminded me a lot of Airheads. Yeah, reason. yeah. Airheads specifically. Well, because a lot of the comedic roles that Buscemi winds up in are, are very, very little bit parts mm-hmm. in comedies. Like, in the Adam Sand- older Adam Sandler movies, he'd pop up for, like... Two, five two minutes, lines, yeah. You know, and he'd be gone. And he was always great in those little moments, but he hasn't really had a, a solid comedic supporting role since Airheads. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it was fun to watch him. Oh, God. Yeah, he was funny. <laughs> His <laughs> hair is amazing. Everybody's yeah. hair in this movie. Yeah. All, <laughs> all of the hair. A lot of good hair in the movie. Yes. Absolutely. It right. was a fun movie. Uh, Gojo, thoughts? Uh, well, go. I I hadn't seen any of the trailers or anything going in. I all I knew about it was that it had Steve Carell and Jim Carrey in it. So the appearance of Steve Buscemi, and specifically Olivia Wilde, were uh, a a great treat. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was going to be some kind of prestige style dueling magician, <laughs> um, uh, which. It, it, well, it wasn't really. We can but. we can talk about that a little bit in the spoiler section, but anyway, we'll get to that. But um, yeah, it was. I, I actually thought the um, 
the uh, the arc of Steve Carell's character was uh, for kind of a you know a, a, just a comedy, um, not to deride comedies or anything, but it was in its own way kind of by the numbers. Yeah, the, the arc was the arc was actually pretty good. I thought um, of going from this you know jaded, uh, full of himself, of, yes, arrogant, slimy type character to mm-hmm. a a believable um a, a believable transition to somebody who's refound the magic in his magic. I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that he earns the transition, but I think the things that get him there make a lot of sense yeah. even if they're pretty happenstance like it's it's like the whole the whole him like okay first of all Ar- Alan Arkin's character's name is Rance Holloway first of all <laughs> which is fantastic which is Beautiful amazing name. but like Steve Carell running into to his childhood hero and having that reinvigorate the character I think makes a lot of sense which is more than yeah. you can say for a lot of comedy and this, this movie does have some heart which is my one most important thing in, in comedies even if they are wrong they have heart to them you know yeah. and it does have that it, it, some of it does feel a little bit tagged on there you know what I mean like, yeah like some of the stuff like with Olivia Wilde's character like you were saying yeah. about, like I was a picked on and blah 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 like it just kind of feels kind of slapped on there but I didn't it didn't bother me no know? no so that reminds me the scene when he first that was a really cool something that I kind of overlooked while watching the movie and I thought about it afterwards that Carell did uh, bring that was cool was the, the scene where he first talks to Rance Holloway when he realizes it's him is the first time the whole movie he talks like Steve Carell like a normal person and not like a Oh, yeah. And, yeah, like I, I wanted to talk like it was, about it that was a little a, bit. It was a marked moment where I was like, it was a noticeable switch. Like everything in his face, Absolutely. and his voice, and his posture just switched to a normal human being. And I was like, that's pretty cool. That's that is very cool. But I feel like even before that, he was a little spotty with the with the with the hoity-toity. The well, be, he, yeah. But, well, yeah. I mean, we can go more into that. Yeah, and, it's and later, you know, but. I may, maybe, but I feel like he it was even more spotty than like. It would make sense for him to well, be spotty. But. He was kind of on a downslope. You know, yeah, yeah, that's true. Movie, that's so. true. Um, Gojo, were there any th- any other thoughts that you wanted to? Um, I did think that almost all of the trailers before the movie looked horrible, um, <laughs> and even the ones that didn't look horrible were eh. Um, Come on, painting game. Pain and game. Yeah, eh. we should we should say Michael Let, Bay's Pain and Game. We had a Kickass Two trailer in there. Um, uh, that bad one with uh, the heat the with heat? Sandra Bullock and uh, oh God. Uh, Hangover yeah. Three looks Hangover Three like it's gonna be. It looked like the movie is gonna be boring. Yeah, um, <laughs> I haven't seen any of them, but that trailer. If I, if it's any, if the movie is anything like the trailer, it's gonna be a snooze fest. Yeah, it's terrible. But yeah, that's uh, that's my opinion. Gojo's trailer corner. Yes. Go, Gojo's yes. trailer park. Can <laughs> <laughs> um, that be my segment? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I enjoyed the film a lot. I got a lot of laughs out of it. It, it. I wouldn't say it was a letdown for me, but I was expecting a little bit more from it just because, uh, you know, with Steve Carell and, and Jim Carrey, you would feel like it would be one of those movies that's, like, jam-packed with, f- like, really funny moments. And, and it has a lot of funny moments, but it's not one of those ones that just, like, keeps going. There's mm. there's some lulls in, in the between The pacing there. bogs down. Yeah. Um, but... My favorite thing about the film is just the fact that you have Jim Carrey and uh, Steve Carell and Steve Buscemi being able to ham it up as much as they possibly can while they're on stage or performing on the street. And it's just so much fun to see actors hamming it up 
when like sometimes when they shouldn't be, but also when they should be. Yeah. Like basic it's like Nathan Fillion's character in Doctor Horrible. Like that character is him just hamming it up as much as he possibly can. And it's supremely entertaining because of that, and it's the same case here. Um, just watching Steve Carell with like his must have been like fake like chest plate that he wears that looks like <laughs> just like his open chest. It's it's ridiculous watching them like it's pretty funny walk around and dance around on stage to to abracadabra Abra like eighteen times. But hey, um. <laughs> what? Um, but it's it's just a. It's a lot. It's it's a lot of fun, especially you know. I don't think it deserves the ten million dollar box office that it got. Like it should have, it should have been up there a little bit more. But yeah, I agree with that. I, especially with with I don't want to knock Hangover again, but especially with Hangover making the kind of money it's making, I'm just surprised that this didn't do at least yeah, a little and better. I, I I feel like it probably wasn't marketed super well. It wasn't like, really marketed that much at all. Yeah, so. we, we we got some. You know, you go on IMDb and it's like the whole page. But other than that, you got like a trailer here and there. But yeah. I, I'd say overall, it's 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 a fun comedy if you expect it to be just like total hamminess, like people acting as ridiculous as they possibly can. Like any time Jim Carrey's on the screen, he just completely devolves into the most <laughs> ridiculous kind of like street magic that you could ever think of, which. Is exactly what they wanted, and they pull it off very well. Um, you know, it's you don't you don't see a lot of movies that just go to that level of we just want to entertain you anyway. You know, yeah. characters just pushing a character to the limits of believability, and mm -hmm. it, it makes for it makes for a fun movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's I I think it's worth a watch. I don't know if I'd say rush out and see it. So maybe you know the box office, whatever. But hopefully it'll have a good life on on, on DVD. Um, any other main thoughts before we break into spoilers? No. Do Olivia we... Wilde has beautiful eyes. Yes, she yeah, does. she does. She has gorgeous eyes. Yes. <laughs> this is the Olivia Wilde cast. And, uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, look Olivia for the Olivia Wilde fans. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Thank you. Ellen um, Arkin has beautiful eyes. Also, Ellen Arkin. Ellen is... Arkin is a flawless creature. Ellen Arkin with a pencil mustache, with and... giant white teeth. <laughs> yes. Absolutely amazing. Like, I would I would watch a prequel film um, shot in black and white about the Incredible Absolutely. Oh my God. Yes. So he was um, very funny. Okay. So do we want to do like letter grade? Yeah, um, I would give it, um, I'd give it a B. Yeah, I'd give it a B. Nick, about that. B. B plus. <laughs> Just to be different, actually. I, yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a B, too. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, we'll break into spoilers after the break here, but I need to pee, so let's do that. Welcome back. Uh, we are in the spoiler section of the Incredible Wonderstone review. Willie, you wanted to talk about some of your more favorite, uh, more favorite, favorite jokes in the film, just so that you didn't give them away to those that. Uh, yeah, that I, haven't I, seen. I would hate to spoil a joke like a trailer does. Yeah. Um, no, okay, well, I like the fact, first of all, that they ended on one of the funniest parts of the movie, if not the funniest part of the movie. Yeah. Them tossing bodies <laughs> but Behind the scenes of their final, yeah. their, their huge trick that they did. Yes, just just 
seriously injuring these people as they're just I mean it's hilarious to watch these large men dragging people and putting tags on them so they remember yeah. what they're it's hilarious putting Steve cover up. finds the fake leg and he's trying to match oh, it oh it's great it's yeah, great and, and they to end on a joke like that is pretty good because yeah. it leaves you walking out going okay that was fun mm-hmm. um that was really good. We obviously we talked about the fi- the picture on the back of the van. Hilarious. Yeah. One of the more, not I, w- I wouldn't call it subtle, but it is more of, it, for this movie. It's more of a subtle joke. Yeah. Well, sight yeah. gags you don't get too much of anymore. Sure. That's definitely a sight it. Was, gag. It was pretty. Yeah. Fun. It plays purely on the fact that it's Jim Carrey's face blown up on the back of a van. Exactly. <laughs> Looking very menacing or yeah. something. I don't know. Um, and and like I said, most of my most of my favorite jokes involve the Jim Carrey character. I think pretty much everything at the birthday party is very funny. Yeah. When when him and, and Steve Carell are having the magic off yeah. on stage <laughs> and just the stuff they're doing to each other and, and his and what's funny about the Jim Carrey character is his his tricks get more and more horrifying as they go <laughs> Every on. single I mean seriously yeah. his final trick is drilling a hole inside of <laughs> really. Yeah. Um so the, I, anytime he was doing something horrible to his body, like laying on the coals, was really funny too. The snoring thing, yeah, you know, like <laughs> I mean, it's it's such a silly like old school kind of joke. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, yeah. but it still works so well because it's Jim Carrey doing it. You know, just the look on it's it's the look on his face because you know he's rubber face. He can, yeah, he's the man of like a billion faces. So he is. just seeing him scream horrifyingly, like in the it reminded me of goat songs, the goat versions of, of songs, <laughs> the goat screaming. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was a lot of fun, um, and I liked the uh, another little thing I liked was the the stand up of of Burt Wonderstone in his in his <laughs> yeah. uh, in his hotel hotel and later motel room. Yeah. Um, there's one moment I, I can't remember the specific moment, but he's like he's like just sitting there and he's, the fir- the bed. he's, yeah. wa- he's and watching the first thing TV. You, you yeah. notice is him standing in the corner, and so you're. Like, for me, I was, like, focusing on that at first. I'm like, why is he in costume? Oh, no, that's the stand <laughs> Yeah. The way they framed that, that stand-up, that, that cut-out wherever they could, it was, it was pretty funny. It was, it was pretty clever. So i got to give him props for, for, like you said, the sight gags. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I, was also, I was a big fan of, of Burt Wonderstone acting out his two-man show by himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally changed nothing about just, his yeah. routine. Like, just the, the wording that he would choose. And, like, I have been friends with myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was one of my favorite. And this him him like crawling up the stairs to do the, <laughs> the hanging the hangman yeah. joke. It's oh. pretty good. It's 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 that joke like like the old SNL skit where Will Ferrell uh, the teleprompter breaks and he has no idea what to do when the teleprompter breaks. Like his whole thing shuts down. Yeah. So it's like when 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 Buscemi's gone, he just can't. Yeah, he he's can't been stuck in a, yeah. He's been yeah. stuck in a pattern for so long. He just. Yeah, keeps going. Oh yeah, it's it it's, doesn't work. It's pretty funny. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, no, I I mean there were plenty of great jokes, and I could go on forever about about the funny jokes in the movie. The sex contract is pretty funny too. Yeah, when he, when he has the woman fill out a, a contract about the sex acts they'll be doing. Yeah, that was that was pretty funny as well. So and just like the setup of taking her picture against the green screen, and then like yeah. you said, the like, payoff of when it. he hands it to or when she gets it later, it's. It's it's pretty funny to see like and the giant bed gag is actually quite funny too. Yeah, it's it, that's another joke that should not be that funny by today's standards, but somehow it works really well. Yeah, because she's like like you know what that would feel like to struggle with those sheets. <laughs> it's hard enough on a normal size bed sometimes to roll over and get to your your yeah. alarm. Yeah, so that was 
this person. No, it was, yeah, moments like that where it's, I don't want to say it's old comedy, but it's the kind of joke you would see in an old movie that you can't yeah. exactly explain why this is funny. Like, there's, I mean, or maybe you can, and it's just so simple. You're like, well, there's got to be more to it than that. But yeah. no, it's just funny to watch this, and this chick army crawl across a bed that's like ten people wide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and like you said, yeah, it shouldn't be called old comedy because that doesn't seem fair, but it's, it is something you would see in like a like an eighties, maybe even like early nineties comedy. You know, it's just yeah. something really silly like that. And yeah, I guess I, that's why this was a breath of fresh air. It was little things like that, that like harken back to some of the less uh, disgusting, simpler bottle, comedy, bodily yeah. fluid, you know, days of comedy. Yeah. So. Yeah, um, Nick, do you have anything for for spoilers or no? No. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Okay. Gojo, what about you? Um, well, I, I remember when they were performing the the last uh, the last trick, the final the disappearing audience trick, um, and when they when it's like during the actual span of the movie, it's like oh my god, they made the audience appear out in this field, and I, I remember turning to you, and I'm like, I just want to see the montage yeah. of them dragging all these bodies into a bus and yeah. setting them up here, and then lo and behold, we get that. <laughs> After the movie's over, and it was hilarious. It was um, it was every bit as funny as you. Yes, this is this be. is this is exactly what I was picturing. Um, uh, that Willie, you just mentioned the uh, the moral duplicity of the of the trick. Yeah, um, like it's just it's the trick. Much like like you mentioned, Gojo, the Prestige, the trick at the end of the Prestige. Like, not to spoil that for anybody that hasn't seen it, but it has a trick at the end that's very like morally bankrupt. Is 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 yeah and. and yeah. Ethically bankrupt, and and this this to a much much lesser degree than the yeah. prestige, but same kind of thing. It's it's um, drugging an audience, yes, unwillingly, and dragging them into into moving trucks yes. and covering <laughs> up their wounds with makeup, like with makeup. <laughs> too. I mean, yeah. it's 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 pretty horrible, but it makes it even funnier somehow. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, no. and that's that's one thing this movie did that that most movies wouldn't do is I mean the. The you know the come up at the end where they they you know everything works out and everybody's happy and they have their great trick and they get the job and all that I mean that's obvious you know yeah, yeah. but most comedies wouldn't show you the dragging of the bodies <laughs> no. they would just appear and they'd be like man that was you know like they would comment on it maybe but yeah I'm glad they went there it was almost like getting a gag reel in the credits remember when comedies yeah. used to do that yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Jim Carrey, and I, the I liar, liar gag reel during the credits is so funny. It's, it's it's almost more quotable than the movie itself. Well, and yeah. it does it effect, it effectively does the same thing. It kind of in a weird way strips away the magic of the movie that it's showing you something. Even though this montage was still part of the movie, yeah, for all intents and purposes, it was still like it totally ruined the the magic of the moment. Yeah, but it was it was hilarious. I I did I. When the movie ended, I was thinking I would really love a gag reel in this in these credits right yeah. now. I'm sure there'll be a really good one on the DVD. Probably, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm hoping. I'm sure. All right. Um, I think that about sums it up. Yeah. For the, the spoiler section, so we'll move into some food for thought, sponsored by Willie. Willie, what do you think? A comedian could be acting in movies now, could have kind of just disappeared, um, that you kind of want to see have some sort of career, uh, the revitalization of their career. Yeah. You know, because Jim Carrey, I mean, it's not that Jim Carrey has ever really disappeared from the public eye, but like we said earlier, he kind of, he hasn't done a ton lately. And, and like the quality of Liar Liar and Ace Ventura and... It, it hasn't been replicated since that period of time. No, like the closest, like a... 
Bruce Almighty. I love Bruce Almighty. And, and that's a probably lot. the closest we've gotten to that old school Jim Carrey before before this. So there's, I mean, there's plenty of other comedic actors that have kind of yeah. you know, fallen by the wayside, and some probably should fall by the wayside. Yeah. But, you know, anybody? Anybody got any ideas for comedic um, actors? I will say uh, when. Well, there there are actually a couple of things. Um, more recently, when I saw that Eddie Murphy was going to be in, uh, what was that, Tower Heist? I think mm. it was called. I don't know. Yeah. I never saw it. Yep. I can't comment on the movie itself. Tower Heist by director Brett Ratner. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Brett director. Vroom! <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, when I saw Eddie Murphy is going to be in a comedy with other people, I thought, this could be really funny. He's, yeah. he's acting against someone who is not Eddie Murphy. Um, with, you know... Funny people like Ben Stiller and and Matthew Broderick. I'm like, hey, that's uh, that's something I might actually want to see. I want to see Eddie Murphy come back and be because Eddie Murphy is slash was hilarious. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, and I didn't really see good the movie. In that trailer too. Okay. Like all, yeah. all the lines in the trailer were really funny. The, and, mo- and, the movie was entertaining. It was good. Oh, okay. yeah, it was better than I thought. Great, a, it was better than I thought a Brett Ratner movie could be. But. <laughs> and he's he's the best part of the movie. Yeah. You know. Okay. Because um, Matthew Broderick's in that, right? Yep. I read on the trivia that Matthew Broderick was considered for the role of Steve Gray in uh, Burt Wonderstone. <laughs> oh, and wow. And Sacha Baron Cohen was the other one. Huh. Sacha Baron That, that would have been interesting, but uh, I feel like it would have been more of a Borat kind of. Like, yeah. I feel like he would have no, been Jim really... Yeah, Jim Carrey was really the... I would have almost rather seen Broderick as the Buscemi or the Burt. Yeah. yeah. As the, the straighter, like, yeah. you know... Solid character to bounce crazy things off of. He would have done well in the yeah. in the Steve Buscemi role. I think. Yeah, and then um, going back a few years uh, when well, I saw, I should, it, I should oh. say real quick, we are going to get another Beverly Hills Cop. With, oh! I just saw that picture with Eddie yeah. Murphy. Oh yeah. man, which is which Brandon is, T. Jackson. Back that's to the 80s. really cool. I yeah. mean, well, he's only going to be in a pilot episode, and he might be. In yeah, there. yeah, it's it's a TV show. Oh, okay. it's okay. on CBS, I think, or CBS is making it. But anyway, okay. Back to um, going back a few years to uh, the Lady Killers, <laughs> when I saw Tom Hanks was going to be in a comedy, I'm like, yeah. Tom Hanks, '80s Tom Hanks with all his comedies was hysterical. Like the Burbs, um, big. Uh, what was it? Um, the Money Pit. The Money Pit, if you have not seen That's it, is one of the most funny. hilarious films I've ever seen. Um, and he doesn't really do comedies much anymore. It's um, he's he's been really funny. He does he does some stuff with Kimmel. Him yeah, and Jimmy and Kimmel are pretty good friends. He was on he was on Colbert for Cloud okay. Atlas, and, and he was really funny. yeah. And every and he's so good as as a comedian that I I totally I didn't think about yeah. that, but I totally yeah. agree. Tom Hanks would be amazing, and he's you know he, now he's one of those actors where you don't think of him as a in, in comedic roles anymore and I think more than seeing comedians return I'd like to see more actors branch out into comedy like yeah. um, like whenever Brad Pitt does something that's mildly funny he's great at it yeah, yeah. Um, Harrison Ford is going to be in Anchorman 2 um, yeah I'd love to see the like guys and, like and them and Greg Kinnear which, which we just yeah. learned Kinnear recently. is amazing yeah so it'll be you know I, I'll take this time to say Here's two movies that I really love, or three movies that I really love, and two of them have people that probably couldn't return, and it would be okay. Number one, Mystery Men is amazing if nobody's seen yes. it, and the quality of that movie hasn't really been matched. Like, there's the cast in it is brilliant, so go see Mystery Men. Greg Kinnear made me think of that. Um, I have a very strange love for the past 
Mm. <laughs> and I'd love to see it like a good John Leguizamo comedy nowadays. Yeah. I'd I'd be very interested to see something that actually looks good with John Leguizamo. He's a, he's a much I think he's a much better comedic actor than he is um, in like the action stuff he's done. Which I always thought was a weird choice for him. Like yeah. he's been in a lot of random action movies, and I, yeah. I, I I thought that was strange. I don't know. Like Super Mario but, Brothers. Yeah, the Groomsman. Yeah, he's uh. If one day we will probably review this movie on the podcast, I've never seen the Groomsman, it, so. which if you if you if you haven't seen it, which you probably haven't, <laughs> you should. I think it's just you and me because it's really really good. And and the cover, I remember when this movie came out, the cover art was like, it looked like like American Pirate Boff basically, and it's not even close to that. So yeah, John Lee was almost really good in that. He's very funny. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we should watch that. Um, as is Jay Moore, who was also pretty funny. Pretty and funny. Wonderstone. Wonderstone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so I just sad. I just seen him on on a on uh, uh, he did a guest spot on Scrubs mm. since I've been rewatching a little bit of it, and uh, I was like, wow, I feel like he hasn't really done anything in a while. And then he showed up in Burt Wonderstone. And I was like, he did a pretty he's good, really job. funny in Groomsmen too. Yeah, he's 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 one of those guys. I think he just he just didn't get very good roles. You know what I yeah. mean? I, he never yeah. got really a ton. He didn't get any starring anything. Yeah. So, I um. Oh, I, well, you know, we're going back over all these old actors. I would like to see something. What if What if they did, like, an Expendables with old comedians? <laughs> they just went back and they did, like, an old school 80s comedy with a bunch of, you know, your Eddie Murphy's, Matthew Rogers, you know, all, all the, the old forgotten comedians. Chevy Chase. Steve Chevy Martin. Chase. I would, yeah. be, I would be totally down to see an uh, ensemble comedy with, like, Chase, Aykroyd, Steve Martin. Ugh. Um, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. I want like the old SNL and. Um, oh my god! Yeah, the old guard. Of, SCTV guys. Yeah, SCTV guys. Yeah. I mean, can, can you imagine Moranis? Get Moranis out of retirement. Get him in there. <sighs> Catherine O'Hara. Seriously, it'd be great. I mean, that would be really cool. I yeah, I'd love to see it. Although I don't know if anybody wants to work with Chevy Chase anymore. But <laughs> yeah, and I don't think Bill Murray wants to work with anybody anymore. So Bill Murray only works with you if it benefits him in some way. If your name's but, Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> basically, but. Um, and then the third movie, I really, really, really there's a special plate in my heart, place in my heart. It's right next to the pest. Would be uh, Biodome. <laughs> Biodome with Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin is hilarious, and I cannot not watch it if it's on cable. Like if it's on, I'm there watching it because that movie <laughs> just it's so good, so good. I don't and, know why it seems I'm so surprised by this, but for some weird reason I am. It's just it's one of those That's things. That's funny, man. And I and I suppose closer to to the the question, um, and kind of more. I guess I'm just picking favorite movies that I haven't talked about on here yet. <laughs> I really love Keeping the Faith with Edward Norton and Ben Stiller. That was and, really and actually good. Norton's very very. Funny. Norton's really funny, and I'd love to see him take more comedic roles. Got to Smoochie. Oh my I've gosh. never, I've yeah. never seen that Death movie to Smooch is either. so funny. It is very good. Him and Robin Williams are perfect together. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that's what I've heard. So, so no, Edward Norton would be cool too. I've got okay, so I have to watch The Groomsman, Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie. List. Yep. Well, we'll, right. we'll make note of this. If only we could record it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I guess uh, for me, I, I would like to see. I want to see Bill Murray do something a little more mainstream. Yeah. And I understand that he's he's more into doing, you know, the stuff with Wes Anderson, which, not that Wes Anderson isn't mainstream at this point, because he kind of is, but he likes doing the Wes Anderson stuff, and I know that he works with Jim Jarmusch a lot. And, yeah. And I, I think he's really good in that stuff. I mean, since he did Lost in Translation, there's been a, tra- a 
a transition of his career, you know. Indy Murray. Yeah, Indy Murray. And but I do want to see him. I he was so like funny in Zombieland. Yes. yes. And and that was the first. I mean, that's the first uh, taste of like comedic Bill Murray. That... Yeah, real straight comedy, dead dry. You know, and he's so funny. Um, and there's a lot of comedians nowadays that really kind of not copy, but definitely borrow that that sensibility from Bill Murray. And none of them will ever do it as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Groundhog Day is so funny. Yeah, Gr- yes. Groundhog Day is very. That's probably my favorite Murray movie. Um, Scrooge. Scrooge so is great. Good. Caddyshack is great, even though he's really not that. That's that's not yeah. It's not your Bill t- Murray prototypical movie. Murray. Yeah. But I'd like to see Bill Murray do something a little more mainstream. It doesn't have to be Ghostbusters. I'm to be honest, I'm sick of hearing about Ghostbusters. Just, just bury that one. Um, but I, and I I don't think it, I don't want it to be a sequel to any of his stuff. I just want him to see see him do something new, a starring yeah. comedic role. And I think he could be. It could really uh, kick his career up again. Um, I think with not that lo- it's bad, but well, with a lot of the you know the old guard comedians, they it seems like maybe not even so much old guard because look at Jim Carrey. I mean they've they've done they just they only did comedy for most of the early part and of their careers. They wanted to branch and out. Yeah, they want to branch out, and a lot of them, most of them, it didn't really pan out. So maybe yeah. like once they get over that hump, it'll be like yeah, let's go do some comedies because I need the paycheck and because yeah. I actually deep down love it. Like Burt sure. Wonderstone loves doing magic. Yes, absolutely. I tied it in there. That was that was that was skillful. Full circle. Yes. Nick, you got any comedic actors you want to see come back? I had two, but I forgot them. Carl, Carl <laughs> Weathers. I got so caught. <laughs> so good in Happy Gilmore that he yeah. needs to make another comedy. I just rewatched Happy Gilmore when uh, on Netflix, and, and um, I forgot. I mean, I, I knew how amazing that movie was, but. All right, no. Christopher McDonald. Yes. Needs to come the fuck back <laughs> right now. Uh, no, that I forgot how absolutely hilarious that movie is. Like I, I always knew it. We were quoting it constantly. But when I sat down and watched it, I was like, "This is one of those movies that for five, ten years after it came out, everybody was quoting all the time. Mm-hmm. It was like Austin Powers' level of quoting." Yeah. And watching it, I was like, I forgot how hilarious Adam Sandler is. Like he's he's a really good comedic actor, and it made me kind of pissed off that he's been in so much just swill lately. Paycheck films. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really funny movie, and it is so original. Like, what the hell else do you compare that to? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much its own thing. I, yeah, so it was, a bl- it was a blast to rewatch that. Maybe Keanu will get back into comedies if we do this Bill and Ted 3. Yeah, yeah. I'd be down. They were both, him and Alex Winter were both very funny. I think they really want to make it happen. Maybe uh, Kickstarter can have a say in that. I would, I would totally, I would, I would watch <laughs> Bill and Ted 3. I would. I Absolutely. totally would. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Matthew Broderick, though, since we, he came up earlier, though, he's he's a really funny dude. Have you guys ever seen Election? You yeah, he's really good. That, that movie yeah. is really Very funny. good. It's Very more, good. it's a little more the straight man, almost, but he's... But he... He, he was like the pre-Jason Bateman. His reactions yeah. to things yeah. are what's so funny, you know. Um, he was really good at it. And that movie is, is really funny. I was going to say, with uh, a John Leguizamo movie that I want to watch that I haven't, that I think I've heard is good, is Tu Wong Fu. Tu Wong Fu is actually really funny. You yeah. mean Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar? Yes. Okay. Uh, just have to Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes. Wesley, Wesley. Snipes and yeah. John Leguizamo. And they are ugly women. <laughs> <laughs> John Leguizamo is, is, is passable. Like, after a few beers maybe, but the other two... Have you guys ever seen The Pest? Has anybody here oh, ever yes, seen yes, The Pest? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I, a I long time ago when I was young. It's so. probably the most obnoxious movie I've ever seen, <laughs> Okay, but it's very funny. Okay, good. 
Well, I have it on both DVD and VHS, so... I remember my, my other one now, time. besides Broderick. Uh, Tim Allen. I want to yeah. see Tim Allen come back... Not Wild Hogs, The Tim way Allen. No. Not Zoom and Wild Hogs. I want to see my Galaxy Quest, my home improvement, oh. my Santa Claus, Tim Allen. Oh. And I've never... Admittedly, I've never been a huge Tim Allen fan. Um, a lot of people aren't. But uh, Galaxy Quest is very This funny. is the Midwest Film Nerds podcast, <laughs> sir. I, you know, I'm just not a huge... Not it's a on huge our masthead on our website that, <laughs> fuck yeah, Tim Allen. <laughs> um, no, uh, but Galaxy Quest, like you said, it's, it, that's a Dude, very funny Him, oh him and the Santa Claus is so funny. Just And you can tell so many of the lines were just things he was saying. Mm-hmm. Just like little improvised little things. And it's, it's really, really That's good. a perfect example of an actor that could use a... You know, use a Kickstart. Yeah, Kickstart. Like, similar to, yeah. to Jim Carrey. It'd be <laughs> nice be to see expendable. Kickstart the Home Improvement movie sequel. For Richer and Poor. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, that's very hilarious. Fun. Jungle yeah. to Jungle. Once again, the second week in a row that I think that movie's come up. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's it? Well done. <laughs> For shame. Oh, <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think that's enough for today's episode. Is your favorite Motley Crue song, Kickstart My Heart? Ooh. It's Veronica. You should Mars, probably close it? out that ep- this episode with that song. <laughs> probably should. Well, sorry, I, at Mr. John on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, Mr. John. Um, if I had it in my iTunes, I would say yes. Not that I couldn't get it easily, but we'll see. You should take care of that. I don't want to get sued. Um, if we don't get sued by David O. Russell, since I hate him. Anyway, um, <laughs> was that last week's? No, that was like two or three weeks ago, I think. He'll probably just yell at you instead of sue you. Degrade well, you in front of Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I have to, I have to error correct for this week's episode. Wally Pfister was the cinematographer of Memento. Yeah. I, 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 that I, meant, I meant to correct myself on that because I looked it up when I got home and I was like, crap, that wasn't true. <laughs> but A falsehood. Yes. So, um, anyway, uh, music and artwork brought to us by my brother at Mr. John on Twitter. Um... Email feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com with any feedback, questions, comments, food for thought questions that you want to hear us talk about. Uh, we didn't get to Kyle XY this week. We're going maybe, to. Yeah, it's going to happen someday. I'm probably going to rewatch it and actually seriously talk about Kyle XY. If you do that, you will ruin this. <laughs> you will ruin this. Yes, I will ruin. That'll single handedly ruin the show. That'll be the penny I'll, on the track. I will be so heartbroken if you do this. It's okay. We'll, we'll we'll figure out a new gag. We'll steal a gag from somebody that isn't Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, at Hemo Williak on Twitter for, for Willie, at Nick Blavalt for Nick on Twitter, at Jandy1703 for me. And you actually don't want to talk to me, so I don't have a Twitter. <laughs> you can see him in such stage plays. You can plays see me on a, in the past on a stage play of The Wizard of Oz, <laughs> uh, The Producers, and Grease. Yes. So, um, yeah, I think that's about it. Go watch a movie.
comedy movie. Or any kind of movie. Probably a comedy movie. Yeah, you'll laugh. Isn't that a Chumbawamba lyric? You like the comedy movie? 